Welcome to the Well Setting Podcast. This is episode 242. Today is July 31st, 2017. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Today I want to cover a topic that is nothing new. It's something that I've been hammering away for over three years now as I've been doing the podcast. I'm not always uh, as direct in the message as I'm going to be today. The reason I'm choosing to bring it up now is because, you know, a lot of new people are tuning into the podcast with the publicity that's come from writing my book, The Robots Are Coming, and some other appearances and articles I've written and things on the topic of automation and robotics, it's attracted more people to take a look at the podcast. And so because we're attracting new people to the audience, I've been receiving a lot of questions lately, and my style and what I'm about is quite different from what you hear in the normal financial advisory world and in the financial media. Now, I'm not toot my own horn here because just because it's different doesn't mean it's any good. In any case, it is what it is and it is who I'm about and it's how I choose to live my life and how I've built my wealth over these last 30 years or so. The topic that I specifically want to address now, though, is more about the fee side of my business or the client side of my business. And this really falls under the heading, you probably don't need a financial advisor. Now, that's heresy in the financial industry because... You know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail and everybody that's out there promoting financial advice or a newsletter or a podcast or selling insurance or annuities or whatever it is, is their thing. They're constantly telling you that you need it. It isn't necessarily nefarious. I mean, they maybe have deluded themselves into thinking that you need their product, but I'm going to tell you from my personal experience, and again, this is from building my own wealth as well as working with clients. Most people don't need a financial advisor. The title really speaks for itself, but I could also maybe entitle this, rather than saying that you don't need a financial advisor, I could probably say you won't listen to good advice anyways, so don't waste your time buying it. In a lot of cases, you're not going to get good advice because that's not what you really want to hear. You don't want to hear the tough love. We'll get into that in a second. The other title I could use for this episode is that you can't afford good advice. And again, that's something that you don't want to hear. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. But the bottom line is, and again, why I kind of bring this up, is that a lot of people contact me and they want to hire me for their services. You know, they need a financial plan or they want some financial advice or they want me to manage their portfolio. If you read the about section on my website and investablewealth.com, or if you read the, the home landing page at investablewealth.com, you know, you'll see what kind of clients I generally serve. And then when you read the about section, you'll see how I go about handling their, their accounts. Now, there's no magic to it. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. I don't provide a guaranteed return. I'm not some wizard that's going to beat the market. I can't guarantee you that I'm not going to lose your principal. None of those kind of things can I offer, and they're very distinctly spelled out on my website, as well as the fact that I don't sell products, I don't sell insurance, I don't do financial planning. All I specifically do is manage stock portfolios, which primarily is retirement portfolios. Now, it doesn't have to be a retirement portfolio, but it generally works out that way uh, because retirement portfolios are tax-advantaged. And that's, you know, the way we've all structured our retirement income is in IRAs or 401ks or Roths or simple IRAs or SEPs or whatever. And so generally, the majority of the accounts that I manage are traditional IRAs or Roths 
or in the case of my people that own small businesses, SEPs, or in the case of people like medical practitioners that can control their own 401k, I manage some of those as well. But I don't offer advice. I don't do financial planning. I don't do financial counseling. I'm not going to get you a guaranteed 20% a year return, any of that kind of crazy stuff that people often ask me about. It's kind of funny that I'll hear from people and they'll say, John, I I love the podcast. I've listened to every episode. Can you help me invest $5,000? Now, if you've listened to my podcast in a cursory way, you know that I'm a big proponent that you have to earn and save and then invest. And you can't invest $5,000. You certainly can't pay me to do it for you. Because the numbers just don't work out. There's not enough benefit there for you or for I. If you get a 10% return on your money, which incidentally is not likely, on a $5,000 investment, you're only going to make 500 bucks. Well, that's not going to do very much for your net worth. Your net worth, when you're at that level, is going to increase exponentially when you start maxing out your IRA or your Roth. And if you're married, when you do the same for your spouse. Because if you have a $5,000 investment portfolio and you and your wife or you and your husband both max out your retirement account to the the tune of $11,000 combined, your net worth now just went from $5,000 to $16,000. And so when you're in the early stages of investing and saving, the biggest impact you're going to have to your net worth is by saving, not by worrying about investing. No one wants to hear that. That gets kind of into the tough love side of things. You see, the reason you don't generally get good financial advice, and as my friend Jack Spirko likes to call the industry financial liars, is because that's what the public wants. The public wants someone to whisper nonsense into their ear. You ever gone to a bar and seen, you know, people looking for love in all the wrong places? They want to be lied to. They want to be told a story. That's what happens in the financial industry. And that's why you consequently get the services you do. And it's not necessarily nefarious. It happens in medicine. If you go to the doctor with a sore throat or a headache or whatever kind of ailment, and the doctor tells you, hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Go home and take an aspirin. The doctor tells you, hey, it's just a cold. It's going to go away in two days. Don't worry about it. You're going to get really upset if the doctor tells you that and then charges you $150 for an office call. Well, there's nothing wrong with the doctor charging you $150 for the office call to give you the advice because that is probably the advice you need to hear. But you as a consumer don't want to hear that. You want the doctor to give you a pill and magically make things go away, make you better. And so as a consumer, you're going to vote with your feet. And next time you get a sore throat or a cold or something, you're not going to go to that doctor because you're going to not think that he gave you good advice because you don't want to hear the tough love advice that he gave you, even though it was true, what you're going to do is you're going to take your money and go spend it on a doctor that is going to give you some kind of a prescription. And so, even though you don't need it, this doctor is going to write you a prescription for an antibiotic or an antidepressant or Ritalin or something that you don't need. So does the doctor do that because they're nefarious? No, it's just kind of the way the system works. The doctor knows that you want something, And so they provide it to you, even though you don't need it. And then what's the consequential result of that? Not only do you pay for health care you don't need, not only does that drive up health care costs for everybody, it also has a lot of people taking a lot of drugs that they probably shouldn't be taking. That's why we have these superbug bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. 
because antibiotics are overprescribed. And so therefore, the doctors that prescribe the pills are the doctors that make the most money. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm just trying to draw an analogy to how financial advisors work. Financial advisors are not necessarily all liars, but in many cases, they provide you with bad information because that's what you want to hear. So again, getting back to today's title, you probably don't need a financial advisor. And the reason for that is because if you could find a good one, and it's hard to do, but if you were able to find a good one, you wouldn't take their advice. And that gets back to me as to why I don't offer advice. I don't do financial planning because they don't take the advice. And the reason I know that is because I give the advice away freely. People ignore it. My grandfather used to say, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And that's the way it is with becoming financially independent or becoming rich. Everybody wants to be rich, but nobody wants to do the simple steps that it takes to become wealthy. And a big part of that is learning how to earn and then learning how to save. The reason that only about 5% of the population ever becomes financially independent and it's because those are the people that have learned how to save. It doesn't matter how much money you actually make if you don't save it. That's why I did that parody kind of funny interview on the third anniversary of the Wellsteading podcast. I was trying to drive home the point that even if you are a celebrity or someone that goes out and wins the lottery, even if you have $10 million, if you spend $12 million, you'll still be broke. So the tough love advice to becoming wealthy or becoming financially independent is that you first have to learn how to earn it, then you have to learn how to save it. If you don't earn money or you don't know how to save money, I can't help you. The other free advice that I give people, and that I would give you this whether you paid me for it or not, and it's the best advice you can have, is that you need to be not only putting away 10 or 20% of your money, you need to be putting as much of it as you can into some type of a retirement account that is tax advantaged. And tax advantaged means that you're not paying capital gains taxes every month or every year on any kind of income that you generate. So you put it in a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA or your 401k plan at work. Or if you're a small business guy, maybe you open up a solo 401k or a SEP or a simple IRA. There are a whole lot of options that are out there for you to explore. But the bottom line is, if you don't have any money or if you're not willing to save that money, then it doesn't do you any good. Most of you out there are employees. And so the best thing that you can do is max out your 401k plan to the extent that your employer matches it. Now, if you have a really wide open 401k that gives you a lot of options, allows you to invest and have a lot of diversification, move your money in and out of different investments whenever you choose, then go ahead and max it out to the, the largest amount uh, legally allowed to you. You'd find that that could be somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, $50,000 or more. But it's been my experience that most people are in really restrictive 401k plans and there's a lot of fees involved. And so rather than maxing out their 401k plan, in many cases, I think it's better for people to just contribute to the amount that their employer matches and then take the rest of that and max out other options that are available to you. Things like a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Again, this is free advice. You don't need to pay for this. You may go get some wizard financial plan from someone, but the bottom line is, is you need to save. Once you get to the point where you should be investing, and most people shouldn't be investing until they have probably, you know, 50, 70, $100,000.
And I know that's heresy in the financial world, but I'm telling you, just do the math. If you're spending all your time trying to make some money off of five or $10,000, you're wasting your energy because you can be adding to your net worth and building your, your wealth so much faster by learning how to earn more money at work or creating your own company where you become an entrepreneur or simply just saving more money. That's going to contribute more to your overall net worth than by getting some return on a small amount of money. But again, no one wants to hear that. And then even people that have larger sums of money. You know, for example, when someone comes to me and they have $300,000 in their retirement account and they want me to invest it for them, and when we go through and talk about their expectations and their risk profiles, if they start telling me things like, oh, I want 20% returns, or I don't want to lose any money. Well, see, I can't help people in those situations. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. My biggest goal is to manage my client money similar to the way I manage my own, which is to avoid a catastrophic loss. Now, if we have an event like we had in 1987, where overnight the S&P drops by like 23%, there's nothing I can do about that because it wasn't telegraphed. There were no prior warning signs. But on the other hand, if we get some trends and some foreknowledge like we've seen during other periods of recession, specifically market crashes like took place in, in 2000 and 2008, and the smaller magnitude turbulence that we saw in 2015 and 2016, well, a lot of times I can catch those. That's why I moved to cash. That's why I've been moving along very cautiously over the past three years or so, because we are at all-time market highs. That's concerning to me. I'm going to invest as best as I can to not buy at a market top and suffer a catastrophic loss. Because if you look at any time in the U.S. stock market's history, the worst time to be all into the market is when you're at market highs and when the corresponding valuations or price per earnings ratios are well above average. And that's where we've been for a while now. And so when you take a cautious approach like that, you are not going to beat the market averages. And so if someone comes to me and says, oh, I want you to always beat the S&P 500, but I don't want to risk losing any money. Well, I wish those people good luck. You see, I can't provide that kind of guarantee. That's the tough love that people don't want to hear. Now, the other reason that you probably don't need a financial advisor is that you can't afford good advice. And that gets back to why I tell people that they have to have a fairly large sum of money to really be an investor. Prior to that, you're just a saver. That also gets back to why I you know, have somewhat of a limit on the amount of money that I can take clients on with. $250,000 is sort of a round number. I've certainly taken clients on with a lot less than that. But I only do that if I think that the client has the potential to get to that level or higher. You see... My practice is made up of people that are like me. They are either the people that are millionaire next doors, which is kind of like a stealth wealth type person that saved their money, they invested wisely, and by the time that they're in their late 40s or early 50s, or, or certainly by the time they're in their early 60s, they are financially independent. And they can afford to quit their job, although they almost never do. So the people that are my clients are either in that category or they're people that want to be in that category and have the potential to get there. I'm working with those people to first and foremost do my best to not have a catastrophic loss, which basically means to preserve their current principle, right? I think it was Mark Twain that said, 
that he's more concerned with the return of his principal than the return on his principal. Mark Twain knew that was the case because he got swindled and went bankrupt several times. Now, I've never been swindled. I never went bankrupt. But I've learned over 30 years of investing in the stock market that it's a whole lot easier to hit a home run and make really good, easy money in the stock market if you have cash when the market crashes and when everybody else is petrified, as Warren Buffett says, when there's blood in the streets. That's a great time to invest. But you can only invest then if you've been cautious enough to already have a cash reserve to take advantage of the pullback. That's why I'm not a big believer in buy and hold. I think a buy and hold strategy has you bobbing up and down too much. You go up with the market, but you come back down with the market. I prefer to be cautious when the market's at a top and then invest aggressively when the market's in a downturn. Now, this is contrary to the way most people think, and it gets back to kind of the tough love part that people don't want to hear that kind of advice. And consequently, it's the reason why you really can't afford good advice, because if you go to a good advisor, they're going to tell you that. And they're going to tell you, hey, I know you have $50,000 and I'd like to help you, but there's really not much I can do for it. You're better off just keeping it in cash right now, waiting for a market downturn. Or if you want to just dollar cost average into the S&P 500, that's fine too. Now see, that's free advice that people don't want to hear. To get really good financial advice and to get complex strategies worked out for you, it costs money. It costs money to do the transactions, and it costs money to pay the expert that's providing you with that knowledge. And so even though you may want that and you may need that, if you don't have the money to pay for it, you're not going to get good advice because you can't afford it. So that gets back to me taking on clients with uh, you know smaller amounts of money. I'll work with people that have smaller sums of money, but only if they're already in that millionaire next door kind of lifestyle. If you're 75 and you're not a millionaire next door, well, I got bad news for you. You're probably not going to become the millionaire next door because you're too old. That's tough love. People don't want to hear that. But if you come to me and you're, say, 40 years old and you have $100,000 and you're leading that lifestyle and you've got a plan of how you're going to increase your earnings and how you want to build your retirement savings, well, then maybe I can be flexible and I can help that person. Now, as far as future episodes this week, I'm trying to set up some other time. I'd like to come in and do a couple of other episodes to address specific questions I've been getting about how earnings are shaking out and, you know, kind of what's going on in the market. We're getting back to this thing where on one hand, there's irrational exuberance because profits are looking good. And then on the other side, people are totally paranoid and waiting for a financial collapse. So I want to touch on where my portfolio is, what my thoughts are, and what we've been learning as second quarter earnings have been released. Well, hey, as always, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you being in the listening audience. As always, until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.